Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. My dear sisters, it is an honor and privilege to present this bayan. I want to thank the Women's Mosque of America for inviting me this Jummah. The role and leadership of women is very near and dear to my heart. I have spent the last 25 years working to amplify the voices of Muslim women, highlighting their experiences and accomplishments and coming to the aid of my sisters when in crisis. Unfortunately, the words oppressed, inferior, and unequal are among the first thoughts that come to mind for many non-Muslims when they think about Muslim women and Islam. These misconceptions have in large part diminished the role of Islam, the role Islam has played to empower women with the most progressive rights dating back to the seventh century. My journey from becoming the founder of the Khalil Gibran International Academy, being forced by the Department of Education and the mayor of the city of New York to resign from my post after an orchestrated smear campaign by the Islamophobia industry to fighting the school system and the Islamophobes in court and publishing a book inspired by my experience to highlight the lived experiences of American Muslim principals in public education post September 11th. To becoming the first Yemeni and Muslim American woman to recite a prayer at the presidential inaugural prayer service this past January for President Joe Biden. Through all my trials and tribulations, as well as my triumphant experiences, my faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah's teachings were the source of my were my source to persevere. Allah sent us the Holy Quran that is timeless and filled with stories and lessons to draw from to navigate our complex world. We were sent the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, whose example of how best to live the verses of the Quran were preserved in hadith scholarship. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala set examples for us through men and women who had their own challenges, triumph, and ultimately the favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Today, I'd like to talk about the legacy of women in Islam, celebrating our sheroes as they appeared as warriors, wise counsel, devoted wives, pious supporters, mothers, sisters, daughters, and believers of Allah as they fought through hardships, war, slander, and challenges. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did this by design to set examples of courage and strength for us. Before Islam, female infants were buried alive in Arabia and others were forced into marriage. Women were also considered transferable property. However, that changed when the Prophet Muhammad began to teach the people of Arabia about Islam. Islam honored women in society by elevating them and protecting them with the unprecedented rights. Islam gave women the right to education, to marry someone of their choice, to retain their individuality after marriage by keeping their family name to divorce, to work, to own and sell property, to seek protection by the law, to vote, 
and to participate or lead in civic and political engagement. When I'm asked who is my favorite feminist, I always answer the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He valued and respected women as equal human beings. He saw them as scholars and advisors and political strategists. He was comfortable with their leadership and their prominence in society. We saw this with his first wife Khadija, 15 years older than him, a twice widowed single and wealthy businesswoman who employed him and who eventually asked him to marry her. His love and respect for her was unwavering and so was her love for him. When the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, shared his first encounter with Angel Gabriel or Jibreel, she was the first to believe in his divine favor by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Today, we call her the mother of the believers. Predating our mother Khadija was Hazrat Hajra or Hagar. During the time of Prophet Abraham Allah gave her such a high status in Islam. She was known as the Iron Lady of Islam. Yes, the Iron Lady. Hajra was the first lady and chief founder of a civilization we call today Mecca, the holiest place in Islam. Her belief in Allah and trust in Allah is unmeasurable. She accepted Allah's will to lead Prophet Ibrahim with her infant son Ismail in the desert without fear or regret. She was determined to survive and raise her son and more than that, a nation. Today, we reenact her quest for survival in every Umrah and Hajj by performing her run between the mountains of Safa and Al Marwa. In 2017, Allah blessed me with the opportunity to make Hajj. And as I performed my first Asafa and Marwa, I became very emotional knowing the sacrifices that Hagar had made and the struggles she experienced to protect her son and to build a future for him. This is one of the biggest examples to send a message about Islam being a religion that honors women in many ways. Before I go further, I'd like to discuss the common misconceptions about women in Islam. Why does it seem that Allah only talks about men in the Quran? The answer to that obviously will be that in Arabic, in the Arabic language, men, uh, which are you know male pronouns, refer to both men and women. When Allah talks about believers, that means both men and women. This incident can be further explained by the reference of a question asked by Hazrat Salama. Because of her knowledge and wisdom, Umm Salama held a prominent role in the house of Prophet Muhammad وسلم, and society. She was an exceptional wife to the Prophet Muhammad and her faith and morals. She once asked the Prophet Muhammad why are men mentioned in the Quran and why are we not? In response from the heavens to Muhammad, Allah declares 
in a long detailed verse in chapter 33, verse 35, that the two sexes are of total equality as members of the community and believers. It does not matter the sex as long as the person is faithful and has a desire to obey Allah, so, uh, obey Allah, that they will earn Allah's grace. Additionally, Allah says in the Quran, I never fail to reward any worker among you for any work you do. Be you male or female, you are equal to one another. And this is in Surat Al-Imran, chapter 3, verse 195. Islam further confirms that both men and women are equal in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In the Quran, Allah declares, indeed, the most noble of you in the sight of Allah is the most righteous of you. And this is in chapter 49, verse 13. In another section in the Quran, God clearly states that all humans are equal. He states, to whoever, male or female, does good deeds and has faith, we shall give a good life and reward them accordingly to the best of their actions. This is in chapter 16, verse 97. In addition, in the Holy Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not only points out the believing women, but also those who purposely denied Allah and suffered their abominable fates. Muslim chaplain and author, my dear sister, Dr. Celine Ibrahim spent several years studying and contemplating more than 300, uh, contemplating, excuse me, and contemplating on more than 300 verses in the Quran that mention women with one big question in her mind. How does God speak about women? And how does God speak to women? She found that women figures appear in narratives of conquest, filial devotion, romantic attraction, and more. There is no single standard, no archetypal female figure. Considered as a cohort, Quranic women are pious and impious, insightful and, in, and ignorant, commanding and timid, old and young, famous and obscure, married and single, ruling and ruled over, fertile and childless, and so forth. Dr. Celine Ibrahim found in her research that in numerous instances, the needs and desires of women or girls are heard by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Quranic stories. Now I'd like to go back to some of these Islamic sheroes that I want to highlight um, in honor of this bayan. Our dear beloved Aisha radiallahu anha is held in high regard for knowledge of Islam and her love for the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and our religion Islam. No one knew the Prophet better than her. Her contribution to mankind is a narration of over 2000 hadith on all matters. Aisha was a teacher, an advisor, a counselor, and a warrior. Aisha, held, Aisha helped establish a woman's right to choose her husband at a time when women and girls who came to Aisha were unhappy that their fathers were forcing them 
to marry someone they did not want to marry. Aisha's life experiences resulted in Quranic doctrines favoring women during a time when women were easily slandered and cast away. Aisha suffered such slander during a caravan journey back to Medina from a campaign hailed Banu Mustalik, where Aisha sadly lagged behind in search for her sister's lost necklace, not realizing she was lost. Aisha was fortunate to be found by a male army member who helped her catch up to the caravan. Sadly, rumors began to spread that she was an adulteress. Aisha was devastated by these rumors and fainted from the magnitude of slander she faced. The Prophet Muhammad trusted her and was compassionate, a trait many at that time lacked towards women. With Allah's mercy, the Prophet Muhammad received a revelation that not only confirmed Aisha's innocence, it admonished those that took part in such slander. This revelation also established that one in Islam could not be accused of adultery unless there are four witnesses to the actual penetration. This revelation is in Surat An-Nur, and Allah states, why did they not produce four witnesses in support of the accusation? Now that they have not produced witnesses, it is indeed they who are the liars in God's sight. And this is in Surah Tanur, chapter 24, verses 13. I shared my story earlier, being attacked by the Islamophobes. They slandered my good name and reputation to draw suspicion and discredit my work. However, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prevailed and called on non-Muslims to defend me. Another incredible trait of Aisha was she was also a warrior. She was on the front line of the battlefield. She famously took part in the battles of Uhud, Al-Kandak, Banu Khuzayra, Banu Musadiq, and Hudaybiyah, and the Meccan conquest, where today women in the U.S. military remain, their role remains minimal. Another one of my favorite sheroes is Bilgis, the queen of Sheba. Bilgis is presented in the Quran as a wealthy ruler who was loved and respected by her people. She ruled over a kingdom on the Southern Arabian Peninsula in what is now Yemen, my family's beloved home country. Bilgis was a rich and powerful queen. The prophet Suleiman was captivated by Bilgis. The Quranic verses, verse states, I found there a woman ruling over them and provided with every requisite. And she has a magnificent throne. I found her and her people worshiping the sun besides Allah. Sain has made their deeds seem pleasing in their eyes and has kept them away from the path so they receive no guidance. And this is in chapter 27, verse 23. Sulaiman sends her a letter inviting her to submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instead of engaging in warfare. In responding to the letter, she is extremely tactical and diplomatic. 
initially, she sends Suleiman السلام, a gift. Uh, in the Quran, chapter 27, uh, verse 36, to appease him while consulting with her wazirs. In the Quran, chapter 27, verse 29, in order to avoid bloodshed and maintain peace. Here, Bilgis is better than the norm as she opts not to fight, unlike many of her male contemporaries, but to pursue peace. After consultation and personal reflection, Bilgis is moved by the contents of the letter and decides to visit Suleiman He hears of her visit and prepares a test to see if she is one who is guided by truth. Bilgis passes that test and informs Suleiman that she has accepted Islam prior to her visit with him, subhanAllah. These are three lessons we learn from Bilgis. Women can lead, women can rule over nations, their strengths lie in their peacemaking, tactical strategy, wisdom, and diplomacy. Women can make decisions based on their intuition, even if people around them aren't pleased with it. Women can hold important positions without compromising on their religious beliefs. How important and relatable are these lessons in today's world, subhanAllah. The next three shiros are the women who cared and believed in Prophet Moses, alayhi salam. The first one is Moses's biological mother. She gave birth during the dangerous reign of the Pharaoh Ramses, who decreed the killing of all male Hebrew infants in the land. Musa's mother, alayhi salam, received a wahi, a direct message from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, where she was instructed to have faith in Allah's plan and cast Musa in the river so he may live. In the Quran, it states, suckle him. And when thou fearest for him, then cast him into the river and fear not nor grieve. Lo, we shall bring him back onto thee and shall make him one of our messengers. This is in Surat Al-Qasas, chapter 28, verse number seven. She did as instructed, and Musa السلام, lived to become a prophet. Her actions have given her an elevated status in our religion for her faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and was unshakable, and she did as Allah instructed her, despite her motherly instincts. Imagine now leaving your child willingly with the firm belief that you will meet him again. It's very, diff very difficult, isn't it? The second is Musa's sister who cast her brother into the river, watched the, his bassinet float away to be found by the very people seeking to kill male Hebrew infants. She had the courage and audacity to approach the Pharaoh's quarters to find the baby a wet nurse, her mother. 
so she could maintain ties with her baby. I call her a true organizer at heart. The third is Asia, the wife of the Pharaoh, who was no ordinary woman either. Her strength and her status will forever remain unsurpassed. It was for this reason that the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, referred to her as one of the greatest women of all time. Asia was the wife of one of the most tyrannical men to walk the earth. She lived a life of unparalleled wealth and luxury. She took care of Musa السلام, all his life and stood in firm belief when he revealed the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. She had no attachments to this life. Asiya was not defined by the wickedness of the man she was married to. And that is an important message for us as women. You are not defined by your partner. Neither do you need your partner to validate your beliefs. Many stories in the Quran involve female figures and, other, and, and offer moments of introspection for believers. Focusing on the stories of women in the Quran can provide spiritual nourishment and can help us connect to our sacred history. In my early studies of Islam, I was captivated by the many social reform for, this, by the many social reforms that the Quran and the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, instituted to the benefit of women and girls. I was intrigued by the abundance of women teachers, by their essential role in transmitting religious knowledge and by the many stories of prominent women who risked their lives, financially supported and spiritually nurtured the early Muslim community. The lessons we have learned here is that Muslim women are not helpless. They are not timid and powerless. They are strong, pious, and hold firm faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And to hold on to these God-given rights, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam stated the following in his last sermon to Muslims. Observe your duty to Allah and respect to the women and treat them well. Wow, I, I always get goosebumps when I, when I read this. Observe your duty to Allah in respect to the women and treat them well. This is a reminder for you, my sisters, to remind your husbands, your brothers, your fathers, your uncles, that we have to live by the example of the Prophet Muhammad to honor women in everything that we do. Jazakumullah khair.